Section thirty eight of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering, or the Astrologer, by Sir Walter Scott. Volume two, Chapter six. You are one of those that will not serve God if the devil bid you because we come to do you service you think we are ruffians othello when glosson returned home he found among other letters and papers sent to him one of considerable importance it was signed by mr protocol an attorney in edinburgh and addressing him as the agent for godfrey bertram esq late of ellangowan and his representatives acquainted him with the sudden death of mrs margaret bertram of singleside requesting him to inform his clients thereof in case they should judge it proper to have any person present for their interest at opening the repositories of the deceased mr glosson perceived at once that the letter-writer was unacquainted with the breach which had taken place between him and his late patron the estate of the deceased lady should by rights as he well knew descend to lucy bertram but it was a thousand to one that the caprice of the old lady might have altered its destination after running over contingencies and probabilities in his fertile mind to ascertain what sort of personal advantage might accrue to him from this incident he could not perceive any mode of availing himself of it except in so far as it might go to assist his plan of recovering or rather creating a character the want of which he had already experienced and was likely to feel yet more deeply i must place myself he thought on strong ground that if anything goes wrong with dirk hatterack's project i may have prepossessions in my favour at least besides to do glosson justice bad as he was he might feel some desire to compensate to miss bertram in a small degree and in a case in which his own interest did not interfere with hers the infinite mischief which he had occasioned to her family he therefore resolved early the next morning to ride over to woodbourne it was not without hesitation that he took this step having the natural reluctance to face colonel mannering which fraud and villainy have to encounter honour and probity but he had great confidence in his own savoir-faire his talents were naturally acute and by no means confined to the line of his profession he had at different times resided a good deal in england and his address was free both from country rusticity and professional pedantry so that he had considerable powers both of address and persuasion joined to an unshaken effrontery which he affected to disguise under plainness of manner confident therefore in himself he appeared at woodbourne about ten in the morning and was admitted as a gentleman come to wait upon miss bertram 
he did not announce himself until he was at the door of the breakfast parlour when the servant by his desire said aloud mr glosson to wait upon miss bertram lucy remembering the last scene of her father's existence turned as pale as death and had well-nigh fallen from her chair julia mannering flew to her assistance and they left the room together there remained colonel mannering charles hazelwood with his arm in a sling and the dominie whose gaunt visage and wall-eyes assumed a most hostile aspect on recognizing glosson that honest gentleman though somewhat abashed by the effect of his first introduction advanced with confidence and hoped he did not intrude upon the ladies colonel mannering in a very upright and stately manner observed that he did not know to what he was to impute the honour of a visit from mr glosson hem hem i took the liberty to wait upon miss bertram colonel mannering on account of a matter of business if it can be communicated to mr macmorlan her agent sir i believe it will be more agreeable to miss bertram i beg pardon colonel mannering said glosson making a wretched attempt at an easy demeanour you are a man of the world there are some cases in which it is most prudent for all parties to treat with principles then replied mannering with a repulsive air if mr glosson will take the trouble to state his object in a letter i will answer that miss bertram pays proper attention to it certainly stammered glosson but there are cases in which a viva voce conference hem i perceive i know colonel mannering has adopted some prejudices which may make my visit appear intrusive but i submit to his good sense whether he ought to exclude me from a hearing without knowing the purpose of my visit or of how much consequence it may be to the young lady whom he honours with his protection certainly sir i have not the least intention to do so replied the colonel i will learn miss bertram's pleasure on the subject and acquaint mr glosson if he can spare time to wait for her answer so saying he left the room glosson had still remained standing in the midst of the apartment colonel mannering had made not the slightest motion to invite him to sit and indeed had remained standing himself during their short interview when he left the room however glosson seized upon a chair and threw himself into it with an air between embarrassment and effrontery he felt the silence of his companions disconcerting and oppressive and resolved to interrupt it a fine day mr sampson the dominie answered with something between an acquiescent grunt and an indignant groan you never come down to see your old acquaintance on the ellangowan property mr sampson you would find most of the old stagers still stationary there i have too much respect for the late family to disturb old residenters even under pretence of improvement besides it's not my way i don't like it i believe mr sampson scripture particularly condemns those who oppress the poor and remove landmarks or who devour the substance of orphans 
subjoined the domine anathema maranatha so saying he rose shouldered the folio which he had been perusing faced to the right about and marched out of the room with the strides of a grenadier mr glosson no way disconcerted or at least feeling it necessary not to appear so turned to the young hazelwood who was apparently busy with the newspaper any news sir hazelwood raised his eyes looked at him and pushed the paper towards him as if to a stranger in a coffee-house then rose and was about to leave the room i beg pardon mr hazelwood but i can't help wishing you joy of getting so easily over that infernal accident this was answered by a sort of inclination of the head as slight and stiff as could well be imagined yet it encouraged our man of law to proceed i can promise you mr hazelwood few people have taken the interest in that matter which i have done both for the sake of the country and on account of my particular respect for your family which has so high a stake in it indeed so very high a stake that as mr featherhead is turning old now and as there's a talk since his last stroke of his taking the chiltern hundreds it might be worth your while to look about you i speak as a friend mr hazelwood and as one who understands the role and if in going over it together i beg pardon sir but i have no views in which your assistance could be useful oh very well perhaps you are right it's quite time enough and i love to see a young gentleman cautious but i was talking of your wound i think i have got a clue to that business i think i have and if i don't bring the fellow to condign punishment i beg your pardon sir once more but your zeal outruns my wishes i have every reason to think the wound was accidental certainly it was not premeditated against ingratitude and premeditated treachery should you find any one guilty of them my resentment will be as warm as your own this was hazelwood's answer another rebuff thought glosson i must try him upon the other tack right sir very nobly said i would have no more mercy on an ungrateful man than i would on a woodcock and now we talk of sport this was a sort of diverting of the conversation which glosson had learned from his former patron i see you often carry a gun and i hope you will soon be able to take the field again i observe you confine yourself always to your own side of the hazel shaw's burn i hope my dear sir you will make no scruple of following your game to the ellangowan bank i believe it is rather the best exposure of the two for woodcocks although both are capital as this offer only excited a cold and constrained bow glosson was obliged to remain silent and was presently afterwards somewhat relieved by the entrance of colonel mannering i have detained you some time i fear sir said he addressing glosson i wished to prevail upon miss bertram to see you as in my opinion her objections 
ought to give way to the necessity of hearing in her own person what is stated to be of importance that she should know but i find that circumstances of recent occurrence and not easily to be forgotten have rendered her so utterly repugnant to a personal interview with mr glosson that it would be cruelty to insist upon it and she has deputed me to receive his commands or proposal or in short whatever he may wish to say to her hem hem i am sorry sir i am very sorry colonel mannering that miss bertram should suppose that any prejudice in short or idea that anything on my part sir said the inflexible colonel where no accusation is made excuses or explanations are unnecessary have you any objection to communicate to me as miss bertram's temporary guardian the circumstances which you conceive to interest her none colonel mannering she could not choose a more respectable friend or one with whom i in particular would more anxiously wish to communicate frankly have the goodness to speak to the point sir if you please why sir it is not so easy all at once but mr hazelwood need not leave the room i mean so well to miss bertram that i could wish the whole world to hear my part of the conference my friend mr charles hazelwood will not probably be anxious mr glosson to listen to what cannot concern him and now when he has left us alone let me pray you to be short and explicit in what you have to say i am a soldier sir somewhat impatient of forms and introductions so saying he drew himself up in his chair and waited for mr glosson's communication be pleased to look at that letter said glosson putting protocol's epistle into mannering's hand as the shortest way of stating his business the colonel read it and returned it after pencilling the name of the writer in his memorandum book this sir does not seem to require much discussion i will see that miss bertram's interest is attended to but sir but colonel mannering added glosson there is another matter which no one can explain but myself this lady this mrs margaret bertram to my certain knowledge made a general settlement of her affairs in miss lucy bertram's favour while she lived with my old friend mr bertram at ellangowan the dominie that was the name by which my deceased friend always called that very respectable man mr sampson he and i witnessed the deed and she had full power at that time to make such a settlement for she was in fee of the estate of singleside even then although it was life rented by an older sister it was a whimsical settlement of old single sides sir he pitted the two cats his daughters against each other ha 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 well sir said mannering without the slightest smile of sympathy but to the purpose you say that this lady had power to settle her estate on miss bertram and that she did so even so colonel replied glosson i think i should understand the law i have followed it for many years and though i have given it up to retire upon a handsome competence i did not throw away that knowledge 
which is pronounced better than house and land and which i take to be the knowledge of the law since as our common rhyme has it tis most excellent to win the land that's gone and spent no no i love the smack of the whip i have a little a very little law yet at the service of my friends glossin ran on in this manner thinking he had made a favourable impression on mannering the colonel indeed reflected that this might be a most important crisis for miss bertram's interest and resolved that his strong inclination to throw glossin out at window or at door should not interfere with it he put a strong curb on his temper and resolved to listen with patience at least if without complacency he therefore let mr glossin get to the end of his self-congratulations and then asked him if he knew where the deed was i know that is i think i believe i can recover it in such cases custodiers have sometimes made a charge we won't differ as to that sir said the colonel taking out his pocket-book but my dear sir you take me so very short i said some persons might make such a claim i mean for payment of the expenses of the deed trouble in the affair etc but i for my own part only wish miss bertram and her friends to be satisfied that i am acting towards her with honour there's the paper sir it would have been a satisfaction to me to have delivered it into miss bertram's own hands and to have wished her joy of the prospects which it opens but since her prejudices on the subject are invincible it only remains for me to transmit her my best wishes through you colonel mannering and to express that i shall willingly give my testimony in support of that deed when i shall be called upon i have the honour to wish you a good morning sir the parting speech was so well got up and had so much the tone of conscious integrity unjustly suspected that even colonel mannering was staggered in his bad opinion he followed him two or three steps and took leave of him with more politeness though still cold and formal than he had paid during his visit glossin left the house half pleased with the impression he had made half mortified by the stern caution and proud reluctance with which he had been received colonel mannering might have had more politeness he said to himself it is not every man that can bring a good chance of four hundred pounds a year to a penniless girl singleside must be up to four hundred pounds a year now there's relage genbag gillifidget loverless lie alone and the spinsters know good four hundred pounds a year some people might have made their own of it in my place and yet to own the truth after much consideration i don't see how that is possible glossin was no sooner mounted and gone than the colonel dispatched a groom for mr macmorlan and putting the deed into his hand requested to know if it was likely to be available to his friend lucy bertram macmorlan perused it with eyes that sparkled with delight snapped his fingers repeatedly and at length exclaimed available 
it's as tight as a glove nobody could make better work than glossin when he didna let down a steek on purpose but his countenance falling the old b blank that i should say so might alter at pleasure ah and how shall we know whether she has done so somebody must attend on miss bertram's part when the repositories of the deceased are opened can you go said the colonel i fear i cannot replied macmorlan i must attend a jury trial before our court then i will go myself said the colonel i'll set out to-morrow sampson shall go with me he is witness to this settlement but i shall want a legal adviser the gentleman that was lately sheriff of this county is high in reputation as a barrister i will give you a card of introduction to him what i like about you mr macmorlan said the colonel is that you always come straight to the point let me have it instantly shall we tell miss lucy her chance of becoming an heiress surely because you must have some powers from her which i will instantly draw out besides i will be cautioned for her prudence and that she will consider it only in the light of a chance macmorlan judged well it could not be discerned from miss bertram's manner that she founded exulting hopes upon the prospect thus unexpectedly opening before her she did indeed in the course of the evening ask mr macmorlan as if by accident what might be the annual income of the hazelwood property but shall we therefore know for certain that she was considering whether an heiress of four hundred a year might be a suitable match for the young laird End of volume two chapter six